Praise God. Okay, we have a lot of announcements, so if you'll sit down and stop talking and um, let's review. Josh, how are you, bud? Doing well. good to see you. It's one of my shooting partners. We want to get a little bit of a little bit Let's see if you've learned the uh, learned the tune. Announcements, announcements. A terrible waste of time. Good for you. Okay. That's from the Torah. It's from the Torah. Yeah. The um, the week. What are you doing? I don't think so. No. So the um, the. Mary, I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that tripod. Bring them both. Remember that part? No. Ah, bring them both. So sorry. That's okay. Three legs. So, a uh, couple things. Today is the sixth of Adar two, which is the last month in uh, in the Hebrew year uh, when we have a leap year. And uh, next, Motzi Shabbat. What's Motzi Shabbat? What's that mean? Exodus Shabbat. The exit or the coming out of Shabbat, which we celebrate with a celebration called Havdalah, right? Or Havdalah, right? So that Havdalah, meaning separation, we're separating the seventh day from the upcoming six days of week. That's called Motzi Shabbat, right after Havdalah. And Motzi Shabbat actually is when we believe, at least most of us do, that that's when the Master actually uh, was resurrected. So... All that to say that next Motzi Shabbat, not this one today, but the next one, begins the festival of Purim. 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 Yeah. Okay, good, 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 good. And I understand that, um, it, was it the entire community or were there some, some non-players? Everybody? Well, it's too late now. Oh, too late. <laughs> yeah, well, I did that on purpose. So. Yeah. So. <laughs> If you everybody, everybody should have been invited if you did not see receive an invitation, including uh, Canada. If you did not receive an invitation, please let us know. There you go. If you did not receive an invitation, it was completely by accident. It is. It is really difficult to keep track of all your email addresses and check your spam filters. All that. Next Sunday night, costumes are not optional. <laughs> you heard it here. Costumes are not optional. Are Who wants to go as a New Testament believer in 2013? Yeah. Okay. Now, if anybody has a question, call me because I sent out lots and lots of invitations. If you haven't received them, something's wrong. So yeah. And actually, we're, it's not a slight. It means that there's something awry with either her list, his list, my list, his list, and we've all got our own lists and whatnot. But we do want to be able to communicate with you. So if you didn't get a an invitation to that, we do want to get that corrected. So get with somebody, and we'll figure it out. And if your plans change at the last minute, just call. There you go. Without a costume. Without a costume. And the only if your plans change. And the and the singing of the Purim song is is is. It's okay. I mean, we can do that if you come without a costume. That's, that's right. That's right. Uh, there will be there will be alcohol served. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Next, <laughs> I was telling uh, Taylor. Where is Taylor? He's the baby. Yeah, okay. I was telling Taylor about the uh, Orthodox. Uh, 
custom of the Misha Bayrock Club. And, you know, when you get up to that part and Jonathan, poor guy, is up there praying, all the men go into the kitchen and have shots. It sounds like a good thing that we should start. I'm, I'm looking forward to that someday. Men and women. No, no, no. Really? Yeah. Well, when, when, so this is the New Testament. Year. <laughs> it's a good year to start. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, next, uh, next Shabbat is Shabbat Zachor. Remember Right? So we want to remember not to forget. And the guy that we're not supposed to forget and all those people that we're not supposed to forget is what we're doing next weekend. So uh, that'll be good. Um, for those of you who didn't, uh, who didn't know, uh, Art Scroll is actually having a sale. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, they always right have now. a sale. Only on That's right. They always have a sale. Um, but they came out with a new little Purim cartoon video, and I bought it. Um, so I'm going to be bringing that to Rick's house on Sunday night. And if, you know, we've got a spot to, to show that to the kids or something. Um, I was watching the preview, and I think I want to, I want to see the video. So it's uh, Megalot Lester. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. After Shabbat Zachor, the very next Shabbat is Shabbat Parah, which is the, the red cow, right? Well, what, what's that all about? Why would we have the sages have a Shabbat dedicated to that to remind us? What, 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 what are we supposed to remember? What is it all about? Because you would, this would be the time you would want to get your heifer on in time for Pesach. <laughs> you can get in the groove or you can get your heifer on. What is the command which you should be mindful of or which you're trying to keep when you hear about Shabbat, Shabbat Parah? The ashes of the red heifer. No, no, no. You want to eat the Pesach. You want to eat the Pesach. And you cannot eat the Pesach unless you are Tahor. And if you happen to come in contact with death, dead bodies and whatnot, then you need the ashes of a red heifer. And there's a process which is right there in your Torah, should be in your lap. And it's a reminder that if you need to go through this ritual, then you need to step up. And then finally, the next Shabbat is Shabbat HaKodesh. What is that? Shabbat HaKodesh. What is, what is Kodesh? What is that? Right? It's month or renewal. Right? What is that? What are we talking about? It's the Shabbat from the beginning of Nisan. It's the Shabbat that comes right before the month of Nisan. So you know that if it's Shabbat HaKodesh, which is three weeks from now, that in the next week you'll have Rosh Kodesh Gadol. You'll have Rosh Kodesh Nisan the big head of the year. Vayikra means? Vayikra. So I was watching um, something on, uh, on the monitor up in the airport, and please forgive me if this is extraordinarily offensive, because um, I'm out of the culture and I don't know. So let me do it back here just to make sure their heads are turned. So what, what does this mean, you know, when a guy comes out of some kind of 
good thing or something. And he goes like this. What does that mean today? It's hang loose, man. Hang loose. Yeah. Okay, so it's not bad. <laughs> hang loose. Hang loose. <laughs> or fuck a horn. It was a Texas thing, right? It's Texas thing. Gamecocks. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Maybe a Kohanim. It's a three finger scoop, which we have to do in the first five chapters of Vayikra. Good. All right, so a couple more announcements. It's the point of the Torah. Right. Just ask me if there's any more when you're done. That's a good idea. So the first thing I want to remind you of is that Alex is here. Yeah. I mean, you have no idea who Alex is, and you're clapping just because everybody's clapping. Alex is this man's son-in-law. He married this man's daughter. How cool is that? He married eldest? his eldest daughter and her eldest, but his eldest daughter. Alex has been trying to move up here and get a job here. And I'm astonished. Jonathan tells me he flew in with just a list of companies and just started banging on doors. And he got, and he got interviews. He, he got to see people. So um, we hope that works out well and maybe actually get a job. And then we'll all be caravaning down to Texas. Yeah. You know, when you drive back with well, let's see. So what's the same come day? Up? A double move. That's right. A so double move. A double move. Yeah. Take one down. <laughs> one I like it. We'll help you later. That does bring up a couple of Shabbat announcements. The first Shabbat announcement is that this is the second Shabbat of the month, and that's why we're here. The first Shabbat of this month, we had our first Hebrew class. If you missed that, you need to get signed up and come. Uh, the next Hebrew class will be next Shabbat. It's on the third Shabbat of the month. And the third Shabbat's Shabbatot of the month, our Hebrew class meets at the Bartos' family. Not that Bartos, this Bartos, is Bartos Sr. So Greg and Janine are opening their home for that class. So if you come here next week for Hebrew class... You will not get anyone to answer the door. <laughs> and you'll probably miss the first several pages, depending on how many jokes we've got to listen to, in the Hebrew class. <laughs> um, so that, uh, that is next Shabbat. And if you did not hear the impassioned exhortation to study the Holy Tongue from Rav Ufam last week, you missed it. Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. And he got up on the soapbox. We didn't even know he was standing up. And then he got back off the soapbox. <laughs> oh, that's not that hard. <laughs> but it was good, and it uh, it was neat stuff. So, really, come uh, because if you don't if you don't have any clue and you just start now, Wayne's going to work with you to get you started. If you already have the alphabet down and all that, then you're just going to coast through the first few lessons before it starts to get tough and you got to really work. So, come to that, and we're grateful. Yeah, uh, for those that are coming, hopefully almost everybody has a book or someone near and dear to them has one. Please read the whole first chapter. I know we only sort of whetted our cognitive appetites with uh, about a quarter of it or so, but it's important to review that between now and next Saturday, the whole thing, struggle through it. Uh, work with others, you know, in person, hopefully, to do it. And we'll, what the plan is to review chapter one, to finish it, make sure everybody's happy, and do a little bit of two, and then the following time, We'll do two and then get into three, so it's like a stepwise approach. And we'll move as fast as most of the group can do because it's all about you. So please 
do that whole chapter one with all the letters and vowels. And let me add another thing too. There's a little bit of controversy about how some things are pronounced, like a little dot. Is it e or is it e? Is it Ivrit or Ivrit? Is it David or David? I have books that show both ways. So the bottom line is we'll all have to agree on one method and share that with Joe. Outstanding. <laughs> there it is. So for next week, look up Quetted and yeah. <laughs> Cognitive. Yeah. Something to think about. That's right. Okay. Let's get roll over. All right. So that's next Shabbat. So now. On the second and the fourth Shabbats, that's the second and the fourth Shabbats, there's two doors to the rear, there's two doors on the wings. <laughs> the, second and the, fourth, the second and the fourth Shabbat, we meet here for Shakarit and for uh, our portion discussion and Torah service. On the first and the third, we meet for Hebrew class. The first Shabbat of the month is actually at the Upham's house, and they've opened their home for the Hebrew class there. And then on the third Shabbat, we'll be at the Bartos's. So, we should be covered. So, that does raise the fifth Shabbat of this month, the 29th of March. Stay Don't home. Make a jubilee. Stay home. Okay. Don't come here. Don't go there. Don't go there. Well, unless they ask you to come there. <laughs> study. So, fifth Shabbat. It's a great study time. It's a great time for you all to fellowship one with another. Praise God. So, back to our, our last announcement. This guy... God willing and by His grace will be coming up, but those guys and gals are uh, are, are leaving. Uh, so the next time we meet, which is the fourth Shabbat of this month, the fourth Shabbat is the next time we meet here. We're going to have a little um, pin the tail. On, no, we're we're going to have a little going away party for the rights. Okay. And so hopefully Jerry will, will Jerry will choose to pray with me one more time. But if not for Oneg, we're going to have Oneg, and then we're going to have a short portion discussion. And then we'll have a time of fellowship after the portion discussion. So if you're not the kind that normally comes to prayers, it really is okay unless you're Jerry. And then <laughs> after the portion discussion, which will be slightly abbreviated, then we'll have... Some, uh, some extra food and, and uh, fun dessert type stuff and we'll wish them the best and find out what they're going to be doing and uh, I'm hoping Josh will be here as well and uh, who knows, maybe Jeremy and well Jacqueline's not going to leave, right? I mean she's staying here with Matt? They're not moving. Not as far as we well, know. Well as far as we know. <laughs> okay. So would you join us here to, uh, to honor them and to celebrate their going away and to pray for them. Oh, and the last sentence is, it may not be the last time we see them, but we want to honor them. When they sell the house, when they move, when they pack, and all, we don't know. But we want to honor them before they go. So this is that opportunity, okay? And it's the 22nd of March. I hope you're going to be here, Jerry. Uh-oh. I may have to be now. Yeah. No pressure, huh? I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. I was just going to uh, remind everybody that Purim coming up this uh, week, uh, we have a fast on Thursday. Um, so, and that would be a, uh, a complete fast. So, um, and then um, that Purim basically is your 30 day countdown to Pesach. So, as a practical matter, again, start 
Stop, stop, stop buying leavens. Consolidate leaven. the leaven. For those of you at the Bellator.com has a uh, a Pesach prep guide for your ladies who want to, you know, have some recipes as well as when you should stop buying and start buying and stop and do it all. It's it's on there. We've got a, a document you can download and, and check that. Okay. Okay. I'll it Yes, ma'am. I'm still collecting stuff for the for the African family. I told yes, you. and you're collecting here, or um, when should we collect? You want to email me, and I go to place and pick stuff. Okay. All right. So if you want to donate to the family, what see that lady right there. Yeah. What, what uh, clothes for kids? They have like nine kids. Clothes for kids. I Most of them are boys. Details. You're the one. Details. She has the details. Morgan has the details from Glennis. And we haven't been publicized that. I wasn't sure as well. Okay, so where was that publicized? How? It was where? Uh, I have a text message which she did give us the ages. And so okay, so with the ages of the kids and all of that stuff. So Morgan's going to... Do you want it emailed? I have no idea, but we'll figure that out. Yes. So you'll... Uh, if you didn't get invited to the Purim party, you won't find out about the kids. <laughs> so you're going to want to... And then, yeah, okay. So we're going to thank you for reminding me. That's great. Rick. Uh, Jeremiah... Uh, uh, soloed his first Air Force airplane this past week. <laughs> he just wants uh, he wants people to be praying for him on Monday, where his his, his last check ride at this phase before it goes back to Oklahoma will be on Monday. It's Monday, so you're going to be fasting on Thursday, so you can prepare on Monday. Why not just stop now? Okay. <laughs> okay, so stay with me. Is there another hand over here that I needed to see? No? No, we're good? Okay. So is the circumcision over now? Okay, so uh, is is he coming back? I didn't mean him. I meant him. The bearded one. The bearded one. <laughs> yes. He's coming back. Yes. How soon? Um, five minutes. Maybe. Then I'll do it later. Okay. So, I, I, I always seem to forget, but I do want to acknowledge those who are watching from afar. Uh, oftentimes, the uh, Torah North community prays with us, uh, and then uh, they have their own own egg. And they do their own portion discussion, which I think is fabulous. Um, but there are men and women who are in the middle of nowhere. They have absolutely no community. They have no folks with which they can pray. There is no minion. There is no solace with regard to their, uh, their walk and their faith. So um, many of them are joining us, and you are, you know, as close to community as they can get. Some of those folks have actually come to visit us from time to time. Um, but I want you to remember them and kind of wave to them when you when you come in and we're doing this. Um, today I, I remind you of the Lenzmeyer family. Um, uh, Bill Lenzmeyer may actually be teaching a class to the Tuesday night uh, men, the Tzadi class. On, uh, on genetically modified 
foods. So, uh, yeah, there's GMOs. So, is that biblical, non biblical? Do you care? Do you not care? And all that stuff. Oh, yeah. He's got some good points. So, at any rate, he and his wife and his two sons are probably listening uh, along because it's either them, us, or, you know, they go outside and talk to the sheep. And when are they speaking? When he's right. No pressure. You know, it's tough to get in front of this crowd, let me tell you. All right. So, it's good for that. So, uh, what can you say? I'm looking for sentences, short sentences. What can you say about Vayikra or Leviticus, about this first portion in this book, uh, and about uh, what's happening here? For example, um, tell me about little kids learning Hebrew. This is the first book that they begin study when they begin formal Torah study. That's shocking, don't you think? Well, this, no. Isn't that amazing? Well, didn't you think so before? <laughs> Maybe. And now, yeah. okay, good. Yeah, this is what this is what they start little kids uh, with reading uh, Leviticus or Vayikra. About, uh, I was thinking that sacrifices were brought to a merciful God and not a judgmental God. So, oh, so that whole to God thing where, oh, the God of the Old Testament right. is so judgmental and death-oriented, right. killing things and wiping out people groups, and the New Testament group is so, New Testament God is so so joyful and happy and wants to be your big buddy friend thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. so... I didn't read judgmental bad in these first five chapters. I read a, a loving God. Buddy? Nobody. Yeah. No. Yeah, a benevolent buddy. dictator. Yeah. A benevolent dictator, that's right. Which is what I think most homes should have. A benevolent dictator. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we got here. So. Good. Other comments. Other comments. Benevolent is important. That's right. Yeah. Other comments on, on this? It shows that God... Like truly desires to have fellowship with us and for us to draw near to him. Okay, you said a phrase that I think is, is critical here. Draw near. So what just happened at the end of the last book we were in? It's sort of like this climactic moment in the end of Exodus when Moses finally gets the tabernacle fully erected and it's complete and he obviously did it correctly because at this point the kavod, the glory, the, the shekinah of God actually comes and rests there over the tabernacle. What was the purpose of, of making the tabernacle? So that he would dwell among us. And did it work? Yes. yes. Where's God? Right in the midst of his people. Very cool. One problem? We can't, can't finish it? We can't draw near to a, a holy God. Well, surely Moses could. I mean, he's like the guy, right? No, 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 Not no, even no, Moses. Moses. Okay. And then we walk into this book. Um, now that the hairy one is here, um, <laughs> for those of you... <laughs> he was looking here. <laughs> for those of you who weren't here for Shakarit, um Taylor, Traffic County... Um, led the Shakri prayers this morning, and I thought he did an excellent job. I went through the 73 things that he missed, and two weeks, it's going to be flawless. No, he did great, and I'm very, very, very pleased that uh, yet another young man is stepping up and including. It's, it's making for a great rotation, as Gregory has done this, um, Brock and Peter 
and Jonathan have all done the. The did you do? No, you didn't do it. Yeah, you did. Mm -hmm. Have all played yes. Dubai. Yeah. You know, and we've got Greg and Jonathan and me. I think. Yeah. Well, at least in the English uh, on the tour uh, service side. I mean, really. It's really great to, to see this happening, and, and Joshua has led Shakari many times in his home, and for uh, festivals. So I mean, this is this is this is what it's all about. Um, so thank you. Keep it up. Set the standard. Don't make any mistakes. Um, no. Yes, he did. But I'll be the choice of that. I thought it was really cool Tuesday night that Jonathan really stepped up. Off the limb, off and the limb. we know I think it's off the cuff. Oh, yeah. 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 He did, yeah. he went out on the limb and off the cuff. Yeah, praise God, thank you. Um, but it was really cool to, like, we didn't miss a beat on Tuesday night, everybody still showed up, so the lesson. Excellent. And Excellent. Thank you. For those of you who don't know, you women, I was out of town uh, on my first trip with Mary, my daughter. Um, for uh, for business and uh, the trip was great and I understand Tuesday night was awesome thank you um, I haven't had a chance to rewind and watch yet so uh, I'm looking forward to that yes ma'am um, so back to the portion yes good bring us back home <laughs> and are we going to miss you for that you know we are the point in Bereans online yes. this week, which I'm awesome. sure everybody read, but awesome. what really stuck with me was the name of the book yeah. because of course uh, Leviticus, book of Levites, pertaining to Levites. Why do I need to know that stuff? Exactly. No, it's and yeah. call. Yeah. And for us to draw near, which was who was trying to, what, what was Juliana's, um, the transitioning, the, the key phrase that Juliana said we should. Dovetail. Dovetail. That's right. Dovetail. But no, you're exactly right. And you know, back to, um, back to the earlier comment that. Here's a loving God. This, this, is, this is a compassionate one who is calling and saying, okay, oh, oh, oh we can fix this. Mm -hmm. And, and we'll, let's continue to work together that I can dwell. And so the dwelling with his people was for the last book. What's the focus? This time you said it already. What's the focus for this one? That we may draw near, right? Mm -hmm. And both the word for offering and um, to make an offering, both words have their root in drawing near. And, and yeah, I can echo uh, what Melanie said. Uh, this week's uh, Brains Online is one to print yeah. on cardstock and mail to your friends. Uh, and really, it's just, it's unbelievable. So I brought it home. And uh, I think what we're going to do is just read that now, and then we'll all break it. But it was good. It was good. And really, um, it... How many ways can you give me that this book does not necessarily apply to Levites or Levitical things? Give me one. Women who give birth. Okay. Mm -hmm. Women who give birth have to do chapter 5. Right? It's 5. Yeah. 4 or 5. It's not 1, 2, or 3. It's right? a leper. A leper, too. At one point or another, everybody had to bring some kind of an offering. So you had to know that... Yeah. The king. Or Nasi, the prince, right? If a leader messes up, there were some steps to take. Yes. Pesach is a is a Shalomim offering. Right. So it's a peace offering. So, you know, so you have some of the protocol around just Shalomim, which a lot of the festival a lot of the uh, some of the meat 
offerings for the festivals are in that category. So what's what's the festivals? Yeah, and what's the cool thing about the peace offering? You get to partake. We get to eat some of this stuff. You bet. And where are we going to eat that? Right. Yeah, we're going to eat right there with that. That's good. Now, I do want to point out that it's shalomim. It's not a shalom offering. It's not one piece. It's peace. Like it's like peace among us. It's a plural peace, right? Sometimes or fellowship peace or a fellowship offering. Exactly right. What's interesting about the shalomim is some portion of the offering was put on the altar for God. Yep. Some was given to the Kohanim, and then we consumed the rest with our family and friends. So exactly. everybody, God, priest, and, and, and us all get to participate, and so that fosters this peaceful relationship. Among Amen. Them. Amen. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I think that these offerings, tradition holds that the sacrifices had phenomenal impact on the world and the the sages say that if Rome and Babylon had known what they were doing by destroying the temple and ending the sacrifices they would they would have decided not to Um, and so the idea that somehow these are um, well it's just it's incorrect to assume that these are all somehow linked to sin or somehow oop I told a lie this morning, better go to the temple and offer up a goat. Yeah. Um, it's much more focused on that relationship with God and spending time with God, meeting with God, and the protocol is necessary to make that happen. Exactly right. Exactly right. And the proof of that, I think, is towards the end of this book, you've got, if you don't have enough money for a, a, you know this animal, then you bring the bird. But if you don't have enough money for either bring a grain offering. There's not even any blood in that offering. So the idea that something has to die isn't true. Exactly right. And we're going to, don't get into it's not true because my next question revolves around what have we heard that's not true? So we're not there yet. So go ahead, Gregory. Um, That that was a great point. uh, It's interesting because in one of the Chabad.org articles had described how we are to read Leviticus now without the temple because of how important it was. I mean, you read this, and that's, what, that's immediately what you get, how important the tabernacle, the temple was, where the sacrifices were done. But it was really interesting because they referenced the common Jewish understanding that we are now the temples of, of God. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. of course, the first thing you think of is Paul in Second Corinthians. Yeah. So it's like, they're just cool that everything that we're reading right now, even though there isn't a temple... And um, it, it does all have lasting effects on us Amen. and our lives. Yeah. Um, red letter thing to write down. Paul was Jewish. I know. Shocker. Um, good, good stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, it, it, it's hit me that, um, you know, God made – we get hung up on the, um, you know, the details of everything, but that – God simply has been merciful enough to give us a way back to Him, to be drawn to Him. We can't, you can't approach a holy God with ought in your heart, or you know. I mean, even well, in New Testament, He well, said, if you go, well, you can, with but you'll offering, die. But He said, if you go with an offering, go back to your brother and Make it right. you know yes. get it right with yes. Him. You know, but He He made a way Amen. for us to be enough to come to him and then also to be accountable 
he gives us an opportunity to be accountable for what wrongs we have done. Well, that's certainly something that's missing in today's culture, yes. right? Yes. I mean, it's not my fault. It's my parents' fault. Right. It's your fault. It's his fault. It can't be my fault, right? And the guilt that we carry, it's interesting that um, you, you lay that burden down, and that's right out of the Hebrew, is, is to put that down. So, yeah, that's good stuff. One of the things that I remember in college that I thought about Leviticus was, well, why, why so much detail? Yes. Yeah. If it doesn't if matter. It doesn't matter. Um, but I have Ramban, not Rambam, Ramban's commentary, and when talking about the Olah offering, the burnt offering that's completely consumed, no one gets any of that. And he mentions, he, later on, he actually talks about how there's confession for certain parts of offerings. And he actually goes through a really amazing drosh to demonstrate that confession actually accompanies every single one of the offerings, including this Olah offering, even though it's not in there. So he talks about how with the burnt offering, it's completely burned up, there's things that correspond to it that we do. For example, we lay our hands on it, and this corresponds to the sin that you've committed with your hands, and you confess over it, yeah. uh, undoing the sin you've committed with your mouth, and then the entire thing is burned up, which corresponds to the... Because since no one benefits from it horizontally, it's only between that person and God, and that corresponds to all of the secret thoughts that we have committed in sin that only God is aware of. Yeah. So you're completely covered here. It's not as though it's like, wow, that's, that's a complicated ritual that has no purpose now, but it demonstrates that God is concerned about the whole of man. He's concerned mm -hmm. about not just you know, getting, you, getting your soul right, but everything that you've done with your hands can be rectified through this laying of the hands. And every word that you've spoken can be reversed through the, the confession of it. Um, and he goes on to say that without confession, you can't actually be forgiven. That is such an integral part of it that if you don't actually confess over this, then you might as well not do it. And I was immediately reminded of 1 John where it says, if we, are faith, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And I mean, he might as well have been reading that. So. Yeah, well, I mean, the rest of 1 John, you know, if, if, you don't, uh, if you don't know Yeshua, you're a liar. Yeah. You know, the words in your mouth. Uh, I, I, I was uh, taken, uh, since you mentioned uh, Rambam and the Ramban, uh, the Rambam is shortly after the corner, and the Ramban is about uh, 75 to 100 years later. Um, I like the Ramban, that's with an N. Um, and I th he's, he seems to be a regular guy. He's so, less Christian. Let me, uh, let, me, let me quote here. The Rambam, that's with an M, says, At the time when the Torah was given, the Jewish people dwelled amongst non-Jewish nations who worshipped cattle and flocks. Therefore, God commanded the Jewish people to slaughter these animals, the deities of their non-Jewish neighbors, in order to rid the Jewish people of the idolatrous influence of the nations. The Ramban steps up and says... Rambam's assertion that God's mitzvot were given merely to wean the Jewish people off idolatry is utter nonsense. <laughs> the Torah states explicitly that the sacrifices bring pleasure to God. Furthermore, we find that Noah sacrificed animals to God when he came out of the ark long before the Egyptians worshipped cattle and flocks, and this brought God tremendous pleasure to the extent that he decided never to destroy the world again. Don't you love the Rambam? Wow. Yes. Yes. So, no, please. Um, thinking about the uh, idea of God being pleased by it, um, 
That's that's in. anathema to the Christian church, right? Well, right. But I think the thing that mistakes, I think people get mistaken on, they hung up on, is they think that they, they associate God with the idolatrous practice, where it's like, this is somehow his food, or he gets some sort of like... Well, that's, that's the way it was in Star Trek. Right. right? Yeah. Something I mean, they're throwing like, all that stuff in there for the God, you know, it was really a computer, but anyway. Some sort of sensual, like, smell, okay, it smelled really good to God, whatever that's supposed to mean. But then the, um, the sages say that, no, what, what's pleasing to God is the act of obedience. And this is why later, when Saul, Samuel meets with Saul, and he's like, God would rather have obedience than sacrifice. Exactly. It's because the whole thing about the sacrifice that was pleasing to God was that it was an act of obedience. Yeah. An act of obedience and an act of faith, because that was going to get you atonement. And it showed that your heart was sensitive to your sin. What's the first offering described, chapter 1? It's the Olah. In Hebrew, Olah, say Olah. Okay. The second one was called the grain offering in, in most of the English Bibles. In Hebrew, it's Minka. Minka, like the afternoon prayers, right? Minka. The third one was that peace offering that we all share in, and that's plural, and that's Shalamim. Shalamim, good. Um, and which one of those three was mandatory? They're all volunteer. Nobody's got to do that. Nobody's got to do that. Do you want to do that? And those are the three biggies. They're the biggest. Do you want to do it? If a man should choose to do this, this is how he does it. That's amazing. Corby, Kobe. So, with Mary's turtle dove, she wasn't required to do that? Ah, that wasn't the first three. That's four and five, right? That's why I say in chapter four, chapter five. Now we're getting into the the other two, and these deal with guilt or sin. So if you've got that burden of guilt, you can get rid of that guilt by acknowledging that you are guilty and making this offering. You can. I don't think you have to. But you get to. The other one for the sin has to do with things that, amazingly, are not sinful at times. Like dealing with blood or death and so forth. In that case, here is how you deal with that. And that's what she did. Chapter 4, I believe, for, for Mary. Okay, we good? So, first three chapters... Ola, Minka, Shalamim. Um, which one of those three um, gets me to heaven? <laughs> Ola. Ola. Good. Oh, all of them. D. Oliva. D. Oliva. Did any? Did you read anywhere there, other than the duration of these sacrifices, which was for really, really, really long time? Um, yeah. For well, ever. Yeah. Other than the length of them, did you read anything about um, your place in the world to come? Your eternal forgiveness for sins? Nope. What was the writer of Hebrews is all about? He's saying, you know, we're, we're doing this a lot. And it's a totally different thing. Because if that could take away sin, if the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin, why would you need Yeshua? Now, I want you to think about this now. Because you're still dealing with people in the, in the visible representation of the church, right? Mm -hmm. 
If the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin, there would be no reason for the Son. True. Right? Yes. But we already know from the Scripture, especially the side they read, that the blood of bulls could never, not before the cross, never take away sin. If that's true, then ipso facto, it's a legal thing, (laughs) these sacrifices have nothing to do with taking away sin in the way that Yeshua did. They are mutually exclusive. They're mutually exclusive. You've got to get that. If you bump into someone in the visible representation of the church who says, you know, the, 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 the flippant ones you get first, right? Because they're, they're the ones that will speak first. You, you mentioned that you're into the Hebrew roots, or you're into... Messianic Judaism, or you are keeping the Torah, you're Torah submissive, you know, any of the terms you choose to use, you get the flippant guys first that want to know if what? You're going to kill people, you're going to kill animals in the backyard. That's the first thing, right? (laughs) So you don't want to just dismiss those guys. You should feel compassion and empathy for them because they don't know the Bible. If they knew the Bible, they would never suggest such a thing. Why? Number one. Because if you're doing that in the backyard, you wouldn't be obeying Torah. Right, you're breaking the Torah already. Hello, did you not get it? I'm trying to keep the Torah. <laughs> Moron! <laughs> Your bus is leaving. <laughs> but why do you need to have compassion now? Why do you need to... I was a New York thing, I'm sorry. Why do, why do you need to have compassion now for him? What's the problem? He's confused on the atonement. His whole faith thing. His whole faith is confused with regard to the atonement of Messiah Yeshua. Messiah... He may be in serious error because of that. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. Messiah Yeshua's atonement does not, say again, does not have anything to do with the first five chapters of Vayikra that you just read. Does it point to what he will do? Yes. Does it give us an example of atonement and an understanding of how to draw near to God? Absolutely. But one of them is completely physical, the book. And one of them is not physical at all. I, I would even go so far as to say that the confusion between his his offering, and we would even say his offering of his self and his blood, and the cross. Because a human sacrifice is not only insufficient to bring atonement. It's abominable. It is, it is abominable. abominable. So... We confuse the cross and the work of the cross, yes. which was a work, absolutely, with Paul's and other instructions with regard to the forgiveness and the taking away of sin that the writer of Hebrews talks about, that his blood does take away sin. But we think it's the blood of the cross that did it. That's right. If, if you don't understand contrasts, don't read Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Hebrews is all about contrasts. If this was cool, this is so much more cooler. It's a Texas thing. If this was great, this is even better. You like peanut butter, you think chocolate's great, put those suckers together. Yeah, you know. Okay, the confusion, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for confusion, but. It's just the simple concept that has not been communicated properly to so many people that the atonement that's described in, in Leviticus for these sacrifices is is 
has a very, very narrow purpose, yes. which was to allow the worshiper to draw close to the presence of God right. in that location right. at that time. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only, that's the only, that's the extent of the atonement that's provided. As, as, a, as, a, as an aside, just for a second, if you lived in Damascus and you want to draw close to the physical presence of God, not to him spiritually and feel some lovey-dovey thing. If you want to draw physically close to the presence of God, the physical, checking out the presence of God, could you do it in Damascus? No. no. At least get in the right town. <laughs> and then once you're there, how do I get closer? I've got to go to the temple. And once I'm in there, which took a mikvah for sure... How do I now draw closer? I mean, that, that whole holier and holier and holier aspect of the temple or the Mishkan, how do I draw closer and closer? It takes these steps. And if you don't get that, then there's something seriously, dramatically wrong with your faith. Because your faith is based on shifting sand. I, I think, just just to be clear, you know, we, we like to say that majority of Christian theology has got this picture wrong. There's actually uh, elements of modern Judaism that it's got this wrong as well. And, and you brought up a great point. Rambam had a tremendous influence. And, and, and his, his, uh, his use of, uh, not all wrong, but his use of philosophy in order to explain the biblical concepts sometimes went astray. And he's greatly influenced in negative and positive ways by, by Christian theology. Rambam was was less less like that, and because of that, Rambam's great influence. You're going to find Judaism today to say that these these sacrifices took away sin, whereas the sages didn't say that. Nor, nor does the biblical text. The, the ancient sages, uh, but it's more modern Judaism does does give some 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 uh, efficacious ability to take away sin, right. and that's why the prayers are so important because they they act as a substitute for the taking away of sin. So some of the things that we do, uh, essentially at Yom Kippur and other times, actually are, are, are rooted in that misunderstanding of yes. these offerings. That's right. That's exactly right. Cool. I hear a lot in the church, like, reason for a season. Like, they did this for a reason because of the season. Mm. And that's true, but the season can come back, like... They're not going to do that when Nehemiah hasn't built the temple, rebuilt it yet. Right. And then when they get the temple, the season's back, and so you do the reason. Mm -hmm. But then now it's on the temple, but it's saying that it hasn't been abolished. But if the temple is built back, it's on. Yeah. And I, I would go so far as to say that um, we don't need a temple. We need an altar, and we need a holy place. That's what we need. A Mishkan can be built extraordinarily quickly. We don't need the bricks and mortar. Right, we can start with the Mishkan. We just need to know where God said He wanted that intersection to be. Yes. Well, I think to put this in a um, another example. It's like um, the Christian moral code is centered around the "do unto others as they would have you do unto them" mm -hmm. concept, the Golden Rule. Well, the Golden Rule is not invalid if you happen to live on a deserted island. It's simply not applicable. And I think that the somebody write that down. <laughs> because I, mean, I think that the, the problem is Alex. Wait till later; it'll come to you. 
Situationally dependent. That's right. Because I think the problem is that that's what they do with the sacrifices. They say, well, they're not valid. Um, they're not applicable now. Therefore, they're invalid for all time. Right. Which is completely missing the whole point. God is saying, this is what we're doing right now. Interestingly enough, Leviticus is a good chunk. Like, we're talking 80 plus days into the Exodus before they bring this up. God didn't have them go through this before that. He didn't give a detailed blow-by-blow description to anybody prior to that. The whole, like, well, these offerings were somehow a, 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 a promise in advance of a future redemption. If they gave the offering, then they got, you know, they got to go to heaven because of that. And It's like, then God's really mean because he didn't tell anyone. Like, how does that work? So Abraham somehow lucked into it. Phew, good thing. Boy, that was close. The whole faith almost went up in, in smoke because... But the point being is that, like, this was, this was God had a reason for this. And I think um, it's it really cool. You mentioned the first three are not about sin, really. And then, but the next two are. And I think it's so cool to think about the fact that the first three emphasize this is special. Then the next two are about sin. That means that those are also the same concept. Well, it's special. We want, God wants the sinner yes, to meet with him. Because the first three are about relationships. Right. And so are the last The two. last two. Because what people tend to think of is it takes away the sin, and therefore, phew, I'm not going to burn in hell now. But that was never the point. That's right. The first three were all about meeting with God. The next two are still about meeting with God. It's the prodigal son. He's saying, come home. Let's meet. And that's the thing. Is it, you look at the, the leper, same deal. He gets He's finished with out. that. He gets put out. When he comes back in after his leprosy has been healed, which is all traditionally is tied to repentance, then where does he go? He goes straight to the temple, and he has the most intimate connection with God that a normal layman will have in their entire lifetime right. is that moment. That's right. Because what God recognizes and knows is that when sinners repent, they need to come back into relationship with him. It is not simply about... I'm sorry, forgive me, please don't hit me. It's about that connection. And that's the way that a good parent is, too. Absolutely. Not only a good parent, but a husband and wife. Right? You've, you've got some angst that happens, and it does happen. And what's the problem? How do you know there's angst? Well, there's, there's no drawing near, right? I mean, we're, we're going about and doing what we got to do, but we're not going to sit together. Don't touch me. You know, we're not going to sit together. We're not going to communicate. We're not going to draw near to one another. It has nothing to do with a sexual connotation. It's strictly physical. It's too physical. It's just all broken. But it can be fixed. And it takes it takes that. Greg? It's cool that the sacrifices are sort of like the, the restitution, you know, because it was an action. The sin was an action. Right, right. So it's like an action to make it right exactly. for God, just like we would for a neighbor. Yeah. If we wrong and, him, we make it right. And notice that some of those actions are actually problems that started here. Started here, right? So we've got now, because of the actions that started out of the root of our heart, so to just quote somebody, um, we have some evil that happens. And now I've got this burden of guilt. And how do I get rid of it? I want to lay this burden down, and I want to draw near. And he tells us how to do that. Is it possible that these um, animal sacrifices could forgive me of my sin? Yes. 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 Now we got to start all over again. Okay. So if you're talking to somebody in the visible representation of the church, 
they probably think you can't get forgiveness from these animals. Can you get forgiveness yes. from the killing of an animal? Yes. yes. It will atone. It will cover. It will give you forgiveness. Does it have anything to do with eternal salvation or a place in the world to come? No. Does it take away sin? No. It doesn't say it takes away sin. It says you'll be forgiven for your sin. And it says forgiveness. And I think it says both. Don't whitewash it. I want to make sure we're clear there. She's next, not you. But I got you. I want to make sure we're clear. You do get forgiveness of your sins. You do have the ability to draw near. You do receive atonement. It says that. Does that negate what Yeshua did? Nope. No. It's two different things. Just because apples are on sale at Harris Teeter doesn't mean potatoes cost more in China. The two are not related. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? They do. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I have a question. Please. I, I was, you know, I was just wondering, you know, like you said, talked about Ron Bonna and then Ron Bonna. And the bomb, you know, the, the one guy said was, you know, because of animal sacrifices, that's what he did. So the, my question is, could it be, or, you know, the, my mind was just, you know, thinking deep about it. In, in, the, in the garden, the first thing God did was kill an animal. He did. To cover um, Adam and Eve, you know, to make a covering. Mm -hmm. Is that, so I was wondering, why would God decide on animals? I know that he goes to birds and grain and all that. Why would an animal have to, you know, I mean, what was the whole thing? Is Was there any relation with the two of them? Good question. What was that? It's a good question. Well, I, I, sure. yeah, I think there's a couple thoughts, but... Did, did everybody get it? Did everybody get the question? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're asking the difference between Ramban and Ramban? No, 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 no. Let's <laughs> <laughs> no, delete that. I, I'm just trying to make a little uh, right. intro. <laughs> so, so the question is, I mean, we're, we're talking about killing animals now. To, to gain an atonement, is, is this what we're at in the garden? I mean, it looks like he killed an animal. In fact, it looks like it's the first death that's described. And it's done sort of left-handedly. So... There's, when there's a breach in the relationship with Hashem because of our sin, there is something has to make reparation for that, right? So, um, and uh, and you bring up the, the, a great example because we see right there in the garden, God laying down the pattern of um, innocent something innocent pays the price for something guilty. And that's the, the whole picture we have with the with the Levitical system is, you know, this animal, this little innocent lamb or goat or whatever, has nothing to do with whatever sin you committed. But yet we take them before Hashem, we lay our hands on that animal as if to transfer our sin to the animal. We confess right. our the sins. Burden, right. pressing down. We confess our, our, our sins and that animal who was innocent makes reparation on our behalf and, and that brings the sac that brings the, the, for the forgiveness of sin um, and so I think it's it's teaching us a couple of things it's teaching us that, that there is a price for sin that a reparation has to be made it's teaching us that um, that uh, in most cases not in all but in most cases something innocent has to pay the price for you know the the guilty party, 
and it's teaching us about the whole concept of a substitutionary atonement, which is how we now can make the connection between these sacrifices and the work of Messiah. That's true. Because Messiah embodies the essence of all five of these types of plus the garden. sacrifices. Sorry? Plus the garden. Yeah, the garden. That's right. what I was, so the garden yeah. does, there's a connection. Yeah. With so, so it's a yeah. great picture. And I would add, outstanding, I would also add that that animal was not only innocent, but unblemished. Because mm-hmm. if we want to get the perfect picture of what this sacrifice is about, then we see. But Adam and Eve were still put out of the garden. Yeah. Right. Correct. The right. sin was yeah. not taken away. Right. They were not able to draw near. Then they were able to draw near, had conversation and right. all that. And it's like, wow, I wish I hadn't done that. You know, we're good, but you're out. All right. I think you were next, and then I got you. Yes, sir. And I think about the forgiveness um, concept and splitting it into two, because the problem is that we hear these words, and we think that they mean the same thing because it's the same word. In, in the same realm. Right, in the same realm. So when we think about forgiveness with these offerings, these offerings definitely gave you forgiveness. God said so. But then the forgiveness that is offered by Messiah's death and resurrection is a different type of forgiveness. Correct. And the example that I can think of is something like if you are um, if you were to uh, wreck into breaking the law somehow, the car of the local justice of the peace, the local justice of the peace may forgive you on a relationship level. He may be like, I understand it was an accident, or I even if it wasn't, I I forgive you. We can still go to breakfast together. Everything's going to be okay between us. But it doesn't change the fact that you broke the law. That still has to be dealt with. And that, I think, is the issue that we're dealing with here, is that the relationship with God in the physical can be resolved. There can be a, there can be a healing there. But like Dad pointed out, just because God and Adam can now talk to each other, doesn't, and that they're, they're on good terms, as it were, does not mean Adam can stay in the garden. That's right. The only way to get back to the garden was through Messiah. So that, I think, is the mistake, is that we are somehow equating them. And if we equate them, then in my mind, that is like the ultimate slam Excellent. on the death and resurrection Excellent. of Messiah to you, compare him, you're comparing to, him a to, to, to a goat and a cow. To a goat. To say that I mean, that's the same let's thing. Let's face it, guys. If you rob a bank and they catch you and you go to jail for 30 years and you get out, you have done what? They say you have paid your debt to society. Can you ever own a handgun in this no. country? No. Can you ever vote? No. You cannot. <laughs> if you leave the country and come... No, okay. If you are a convicted felon, you cannot, you cannot own a handgun, nor can you vote. But you have paid your debt to society. You have been forgiven. You're square with society. But there are still consequences. And those consequences are different. When few points. One is forgive, the other is forget, which is very interesting. Um, also, Adam mm-hmm. and Eve, after they were given the skins, they were for real. But but ah. the, the important for thing real. is, in addition to you're Yeshua's, just a Peter Chip. Actually, Yeshua will be meeting with uh, Peter. That's right. Immediately That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, what's very interesting about what you mentioned in terms of does the sacrifice Yeshua made overshadow the temple sacrifice? And it didn't because it was still going on for almost 40 years That's exactly. after. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. But what Yeshua did say was that I've not come to abolish mm-hmm. Moses or the prophets. I've, not, I've come to fulfill them. So that basically underscores your point, mm-hmm. that it's both. 
Yeah. And that's pretty much what he said too. And he challenged us to seek the truth. So by having meetings like this and reflecting on it, we realized this is really what his purpose was for us. Not Amen. here's the answer, we're done. Amen. And I would go back, I mean, Pesach's coming up, and I would go back to the Master's Last Seder. It wasn't the Last Supper, it was the Last Seder. And at that Last Seder, he took what most sages would, would say was a Nazarite vow. So I'm not, I'm not going to drink wine anymore until we drink it again together in the kingdom. Wow, that's cool. His hair must be pretty long right now. <laughs> what does this tell us? What meal was he at? What was he eating? He was eating lamb, guys. Come on. I mean, he's eating lamb. The reason we don't eat lamb at Pesach now is because you can't make the Pesach. Right? It's the whole idea. But what did he say? Did he say, when we do a fake of this, and kind of do a little picture thing with a flannel graph, we'll have some wine together. That's not what he said at all. We're gonna, I'm going to come back, and we're going to have this very same thing. We're going to eat the Pesach together. How do you do that? Must be a temple or an altar. We gotta, we gotta have sacrifice. You know, most people in the visible representation of the church don't want to hear that. Why is that? Because they think that would infringe upon the atonement. Because they're confusing animal sacrifice with the sacrifice of the Son of God. That's big. There's no conflict. There is no conflict. There are no two different realms, two different atmospheres, the whole deal. Jonathan. Just, just two comments. The, the, they're less of a hearing ordeal than Wayne's hmm? comments. Is that a red herring? Was that the first comment? Well, let's, let's not get too <laughs> Anyways, um, two points of, of, of grace that is so evident here is, A, the majority of, of these leftovers are going to the to the Kohanim. That's to right. the priests. So that's to right. talk about, there's this whole element that's never really expressed or yeah. appreciated, that we're actually feeding the mm -hmm. priesthood yeah. and providing their sustenance. And that's an, an extraordinarily important concept. Also, to that point, uh, where God gives um, a ability for those that do not have the financial uh, prowess, whatever you want to call it, to, to bring either a kid or a lamb, or tur turtle doves, or uh, or a pair of regular doves. He says you can bring yeah, yeah. a sack of flour, basically. Right. And there's interesting discussions in from 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 what I can tell in the Talmud about um, the amount of embarrassment or you know good humility that would cause. And yeah. if, if if I'm the guy who's so poor, I'm bringing a sack of flour, and there's all this livestock around. Um, it might, and there's interesting points that it might actually prevent me from 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 bringing this well, offering. When you want to come. Exactly, and, 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 and the whole discussion here is we should never, in Judaism generally, what tries to go above and beyond ever causing someone to be embarrassed. Yeah. That, that's, that's a big calling. Yeah. So, especially when it comes to repentance, how much more should we not let someone be embarrassed about repenting? Um, so, the, the Torah gives kind of extra explanations um, at, at, at the end of the paragraph where it talks about the one who brings the, the, the sack of flour. Mm. Almost as if it has more detail and more uh, significance after, after all of the other subsequent yeah. Uh, yeah. types of offerings. That's good. I mean, that, the whole Balchuva, uh, the master of the return, uh, the repentant one who comes back, um, or all of us would be known as Balchuva. And you cannot, I mean, according to Jewish law, you cannot 
remind a Balchuba of his former sin. You don't make jokes about it. We don't. He's on par. Good. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Vayikra chapter 4 and verse 3. This is great discussion. Is everybody having a good time? And the Lord spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the Bnei Israel, saying, If anyone sins unintentionally, this verse 1, in any of Adonai's commandments about things not to be done, and does any one of them, if it is, what do you got? Anointed Kohen. Anointed Kohen. What else you got? Priest. Priest. Huh? Priest or, just, or anointed priest? Anointed priest. Anointed priest. Anointed priest. That's, that's stupid. It's written so you go, what? All priests are anointed. By definition, a priest is anointed. That's what made him a priest. Why does it say the anointed priest? <laughs> that anointing, by the way, is what we say about the king. That anointing is what we say about Yeshua. It's anointed. Well, now here's the anointed priest. If the anointed priest who sins, that's bringing guilt on the people. Who are you talking about? The high priest. Yeah. This, this has to be a priest who's anointed when he becomes a priest, 20 years old. This guy was anointed again. It's like the re-anointed priest, double anointed priest. This is the high priest. The Talmud goes off for chapters on end about what happened on Yom Kippur and trying to keep the high priest awake so nothing untoward happens accidentally. accidentally anywhere that could cause any kind of pretty much an isolation. Yeah. So what do you say? And there it is. So I just wanted to bring to your attention this anointed priest. I just wonder, is is Yeshua a priest? Yes. He is a priest. A different kind of priest, though, right? I mean I'm trying to bring home the idea that these five chapters of sacrifices are completely different from what the Master did. The book of Hebrews says that if Yeshua was on the planet today, he would not, not be a priest. Right? right. Why? He's not a Levite. Wrong tribe. And yet, the book of Hebrews goes out of its way to say he's a better priest than the priesthood. It's better why? It's a completely different order. It's a different realm. These guys are down here in the copy. Xerox. <laughs> he is a priest in the original. These guys in the copy? Got to keep doing it. This? One time. So, he is our high priest. That's that word. He's our anointed priest. And he sat down. Because he's done. But there's no chairs in the tabernacle. There's no chairs in the temple. These guys are working night and day. Keep the fire going. Right? Okay. Yes, sir. I think it's really interesting that if you look at the offering that the high priest brings... And then the offering for the entire assembly, 
It's the same. It's verse 13. If the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally. Right? They do the same deal. Exactly. In fact, it's, a, it's like an escalated sin offering. Because normally, you take it to the altar outside of the, the holy place. You do the whole thing on the main altar. And then the sin offering is, correct me if I'm wrong, traditionally eaten by the priesthood as well. Mm-hmm. But in this case, um, it's treated all, it's like a half step short of like the Yom Kippur offering. This blood is taken into the holy place. It's sprinkled in the direction of the curtain. It's put on the horns of the incense altar for which no other offering ever goes on. Right. And then the, um, the animal is burned entirely after it's over, which is really intriguing that the high priest and the entire assembly are on like the same plane when it comes to the seriousness of what they've done. Yeah. Um, I think it teaches us two things. One, the sages point out that the high priest was like the top expert on the Torah. So if he has erred, it's a very good chance we're going to do two of these things yeah. because everybody else is probably confused <laughs> too. Right. Yeah. So um, it's, a, it's a big deal when the leader messes up. And I think that should be a, a strict warning for everyone who takes on a level of leadership. James thought the same thing. It's a big deal. But then at the same time, so did the um, I think it also serves as a reminder that the high priest, the leader, and the people have a level of, there's a parallel plane there with God. And I think that's really cool when you think about the book of Isaiah. Um, with the book of Isaiah, we have this servant deal. Are we talking about Israel? Are we talking about Messiah? And it goes back and forth. Different people think different things. But I think the answer is both. Because Messiah, the anointed, anointed one, one, and the people of Israel are seen very much in the same plane with God. He, they're not quite interchangeable, as it were, but the relationship between God and them is very significantly similar. That's right. This is a theological statement. I mean, it's a big down, deal. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Why would that be, do you think? The people of God and Messiah have, like, parallels? Yes. The well, people of God are a conduit to him. Conduit. A pipe. They are a pipeline to God. They're the ones that hold the oracles. They have been given his word. They were the one that redeemed, showing us the parallel of what he would do for the entire planet. They are the apple of his eye. They are what he cares for. They're the ones through whom his son would come to redeem the nation. I mean, it's, it's just a, a, a beautiful picture. Apart from Israel, there is no salvation. It's Israel, my son. Is it my son or is it Israel? Yes, well, they, they can be seen almost interchangeable. Mashiach, being the king of Israel, and, and is the, the quintessential, quintessential Israelite. So Messiah represents his people, mm-hmm. and his people kind of a should represent him. Right. And sometimes they do that not too well, but you know, uh, but they're present company can't included. Separate the two. Right. Yes, ma'am. Just to that point, actually, um, Hosea is God's talking about his people, Israel. And he says, you know, when Israel's youth, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son, meaning Israel. Right. But Matthew uses that in the gospel to say, to refer to Yeshua. Like, Yeshua went down to Egypt, so that prophecy would be fulfilled. So it's, you know, both senses. Exactly. Yeah, it's a good parallel. Rick? Uh, to, that, to that, I mean, in, in Exodus 31, we read, after the sin of the golden calf, that God says that he's going to send his angel to accompany them Right. The promised land. And Moses said, if you won't go with us. You're not coming with us. We're not going. We're not going. And, and God then, after after reciting his, his, his attributes of mercy and kindness, um, then says that he will go. 
So after the sin of the golden calf, God accompanies Israel throughout their wanderings That's for right. 40 years That's right. plus and has never left since. That's right. So at all The apostolic times, scriptures attest to that as well. So at all times, God is in his people. Right. And at all times, then Messiah being the physical representation is with his people. So at, 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 during the time of Auschwitz or any persecution that the Jewish people go through, God was there. That's the Messiah right. was That's there. Right. And the sages say that. The sages say that the Messiah suffers with his people in the exile. I, I think it's interesting when it gets into the discussion. Sarai is singing. You're going to have to speak. It's up. a good thing. When it gets into the discussion of the Chatat and the Sham offerings, it, it uses this language. Um, when a personal sin unintentionally from among all the commandments of Adonai that may not be done. So it's specifically signaling out negative That's commandments. Right. That's right. Mm. So uh, if you unintentionally violate a, a prohibition, then you're obligated to bring a hatat offering or an asham offering, depending on the circumstance. But if you unintentionally forget to put your zitzit on, there's no, there's no, there's no sin offering required. That's right. It's only when you violate. A commandment that is a prohibition that you have to yeah. make reparation. I, th I think it's also interesting that it's when you realize that you did it. Mm -hmm. To me, that's so cool because the the people that don't know God don't care, and they're never going to realize it. They don't care. It's us who are consumed with His commandments and obedience out of love for what He's done for us are reflecting on our lives. And wanting to be the best representation outwardly to the world of what he's done and who he is. And we realize when we've seen it. The repeated use of unintentional is kind of scary because then in Hebrews 10, we, we didn't get to it because we stopped at 18, but it says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge yes. of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Now, so that's, that's talking about that realm. You cannot continue to sin. How many of you have been in a visible representation of the church where they tell you that it's not possible to keep the Torah? Nobody? Yes. Nobody. Oh, you all. Oh, okay. Right. They're sleepy. I opened the door. It's okay. So, so you've heard you can't keep the Torah. And how many of you have been told it's not possible for you to go a day in your life without sinning? Have you been told that? You've been taught that, right? It's a lie. It's a lie from the devil. And that, well, that reminds me of it, just how that should be. That should really keep us humble, just like in the letter from the ages with the particular rabbi, the way that he viewed people, even looking at a complete pagan, his thought was... Even though they're sinning, their sin is unintentional. Well, when I sin, it's intentional. I know better. Continued to keep them humble. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. How cool is that? And I love First John three. Right. You know, you continue he says in if sin. you're practicing yeah. sin, what you're lying to yeah. yourself, or yeah, the truth is not in you. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. later, in a couple books from now, we have Deuteronomy. God's going to say, if you're one of those guys who's going, oh, I can do whatever I want, yeah. and God's not going to catch me, he says, I will turn my eye on him to destroy him. 
It's like I'm gonna. It's a laser point here. Uh, the point being, though, that um, oh, there goes there was that the willful sin, that the intentional disobedience, is a really big it's deal big to deal. God. Yeah, yeah. Th- to those whom have given much, much is required, and we have been given now the words of the Torah as uh, an example of His grace. Okay, and, and if, if someone can address this, um, recently conversation with someone they were interested in what you know my walk and and we started in a conversation but then she said but I don't want to appear like I'm betraying Messiah so what's what's the fundamental problem she thinks that sacrifices now would uh, trample the blood of Messiah exactly there she's confused same thing we started with right she thinks if I do this, I'm undoing this. So what has she actually done? She's now lowered the, lowered, lowered the sacrifice of Messiah to that of bulls and goats. That's what she's done. Is it her fault? No. It's the teachers. It's an unintentional sin. <laughs> so we know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, what I wanted to hear was a response. I think, a, I think a good response is to say, oh my goodness. I think you've been misled to believe that the sacrifices in the temple had anything to do with the sacrifice of Messiah other than give us a picture. That's not what they were for, but they happened to give us a picture of his sacrifice because of the generic things. Like Greg was saying, blood had to be shed. The soul that sins shall surely die. Something's got to be done, or we're deep weeds. Innocent blood, unblemished sacrifice must be provided in some way. Otherwise, the relationship is shot. These were for a physical relationship. This one, singular, ever in time, was for an eternal relationship. The two were unrelated. Two different temples, two different priesthoods, Two different aspects. And if we've been taught in the visible representation of the church that they're equated simply because they teach about one another, then we've actually trampled on the blood of Messiah by equating his sacrifice with the blood of bulls and goats. It's good, but we normally don't, we, we're normally not that articulate when we're on the spot with someone, and you know, you don't want to come off as A, a flake, or B, be shunned. None of us do. It's normal human nature. So we need to understand this. We need to talk about it amongst ourselves. We need to practice the conversation so that when it comes up, it just comes out so nice and easy and it doesn't slam them because they're not the problem. The master made it clear. The problem is the teachers. The problem is the guys in the pulpits. The problem are the seminaries. The problem is that we are not talking about it more. I think I had... No. Yes? I, yeah, I did have my hand up. I was just, but please. I was just going to add again. that it's, it, it brings more glory to Messiah when we're obedient, when Amen. we do what the Father oh, said. Absolutely. Because then, I mean, Yeshua's commandment is be perfect as I am perfect. You know, I mean, we, so that, that sometimes gets confused. Mr. Sproul, I've just mentioned last night too what Paul says. It's like, well, so should we sin so that grace may abound? <laughs> Heaven forbid. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think it's, it's pretty easy to come up with some pretty good examples. Wayne gave us a little bit ago that for 40 years we've got sacrifice going on after 
we have the resurrection. What, what, did they miss it? Intertestament. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, quite frankly, what the seminary will teach is the only reason, get this, the only reason that the apostles, those closest with the, with the Messiah, who walked with him day in and day out for three years, the only reason that they continued in the temple, making sacrifice, and praising God, as it says, is because they were confused. They really didn't get it. You, 2,000 years later, well, you got it. Good for you. Man, you're smart. <laughs> another, another common irony is um, there's a lot of teaching in the church that looks at, uh, looks at the, the death of Messiah you know, and the timing of that happening on Passover, right? And other statements from Shaul and other places right. that describe it as the Passover land, yeah, right? Yeah. And so they think that he was the Passover sacrifice that took our sins away. Right. But a Passover lamb is not, not a sin offering. Sin. <laughs> Oops. It's a peace offering. <laughs> you know, mm. Which I'm, I'm then reminded of statements that Yeshua made, like, my peace I give it to you. you. My peace I leave with you. He's described as the Prince of Peace because he is. He embodies the essence of a Shalomim. Right. So if you start right. from the beginning of the book until you get to him, every time it mentions peace, right. he's, he's fulfilled this. He's Restor- he makes a way to restore a relationship. You bet. Uh, so. Yeah, that's good. Right. Uh, uh, forgive me if you're going to bring this up, but at the end of our Shemona Esrei, whether you're praying during the week or on Shabbat, we... we Ask God to restore the service fire to the to the to yeah. Jerusalem. The right. fire exactly. And 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 I, I hope you do it with with intent. But it also is an opportunity for us to be thinking, as we're asking God for this, about our brothers and sisters who who know Messiah, yes. and yet would shun hmm. the offerings, because if the temple were there today, they would have to make a decision. Yeah. Right now, they don't. Uh, whether they actually would go and participate would be would be questionable whether it would be permitted. But the question is, they'd have to ask whether it was right or not. Yeah. And I think that it would be it would be a it would it will be because I believe God will do it in our lifetime. But it will be something that will have theological implications that will shatter the myth. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I get you. Um, let me give you my perspective on this. Um, this is not ordained or, or, uh, or anything like that, but just give you my, my personal reflection. Um, a big one? Your current view. My current, thank you, my current view. That's my, my current view is um, is that, that Rick is right. Um, that thank you very much. My current view is So, Johnny, did you have a question? But prior to that, no, no, no. Okay. So, so, so here's where I'm coming from. I, I believe that there will be sacrifice on the Temple Mount before Messiah comes. Do you believe that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Your current view is yes. Okay, let's go. I think that's going to happen. And I think that's where there's going to be this crisis of faith. And I think the vast majority, if not all, of the visible representation of the church will shun that. And the folks that, that do it or encourage it will be the Jewish people, of course, some of them, and some Messianics. Some messianics. Yeah, that's that's where I currently think we'll be at. There's no way while you're on this planet before Messiah comes, you're ever going to make sacrifice. 
They're not going to let you make sacrifice, except you. They won't let Alex. us. And Alex. And Alex, thank you. So God a proselyte, someone, I mean, like... You're not a proselyte. No, well, I meant, like, you know, you had the people that crossed over... Yes, ma'am. ...that were not Hebrew-born. Yes. You know, if you went through, they allowed... If you went through ritual so conversion in that day, okay. yes. But most wouldn't trust you for, like, four generations. But, quite frankly, we don't convert to Judaism... Because we have a witness with the Jewish community because we are obedient. And we still have a witness with the visible representation of the church today because we claim Messiah. So we're in no man's land. I, I guarantee you, you fly to Jerusalem, when they set up that altar, there's no way they're going to let you draw near. You're just not Jewish. They so won't let you. So what is going to be the difference between you and I? To go there. Well, maybe would like. I, I mean, look I, Italian. You don't look Italian. No, no. no. The the difference is, I don't believe. Uh, but, but my current to complete view. Complete my thought though. Than the believer Christian. Yes. You know who shuns. Yes. You know so what's going to. So be, what's the difference? Yeah. Okay. First off, we're not there. We're here. You want to take the plane ride and go, stand in line, and have them not let you in because you're Jewish. What are you bumping up against? You're bumping up against exactly what was happening in the Master's day. You're okay. You're just not good enough right now. Right. If you want to convert, we're happy to talk about it. But until that happens, lady, get to the back of the line. Oh, you're a woman. Sorry, get to the back of the line anyway. Right? <laughs> so that's, that's, but, that's, but that's not my point. My point is, regardless of what happens at that time, we're going to see a strong division between those of us who embrace, even if we can't, we embrace the sacrifice and those who eschew it. The difference is, the Scriptures are clear that when the Messiah returns... He will gather up his people, that means Jews, and those who have joined themselves to Israel. He will gather up his people from the four corners of the earth, and where will they go? Right there. They will go there, and he will be king of that place. Mm -hmm. And it says very clearly that we will make sacrifice, and then we can get in line. Okay. When that happens, I think that's what Rick is talking about. Now I'm standing in Jerusalem. I got here by a really crazy ride. And everybody seems to be in line for the sacrifice. And my personal belief is most Christians will not argue their faith even with a killing Islamist. They will walk like sheep and get in line. And I believe that most Christians will realize, oh, I don't know what line I'm in, but it looks like we're going to be making some kind of sacrifice. <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> the vast majority of people are in line, you know, bulls, goats. I'm in the, I'm in the goat line. Uh, yeah, you know. And they're going to... What do you mean we have to Here, go down this? Wait, what? What do you mean we have to go down through the water? Yeah, go, go down there. You have to go down there and come up this side. No, 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 come up this side. Are you from Walmart? What's wrong with you? Come up this side. That's what's going to happen. And they're going to get in line. And I think the vast majority of them are going to get in line and you're going to see some magic happen as God pours out His Spirit on His people, on our family members who are in that visible representation of the church and have been lied to all their life. I think that's going to be the majority of people. And I think you're still going to have some people. That's exactly right. And I think that's when we're going to see a little bit of friction 
And I hope the master's just going to step up and we don't have to do Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> or Shabbat school. What is, what's the first thing? I, I got you first. What's the first thing that the sages say, the Jewish sages say that the Messiah will do when he returns? Build the temple. Before that, he will restore the Shabbat. And then gather his people. And then gather his people. So you're going to see the Sabbath be big. And then he's going to draw his people, including the Gentiles. And then he's going to say, time to build the temple. That's it. Okay, glad you're here. We're going to build a temple. But you know what? Today's Shabbat. So we're not going to build the temple on Shabbat. Yeah. That's my current view. Take it forward. comments about Yeshua being a um, the embodiment of the, the, the Shalomim, the peace offering. And when you think about the, the word peace, um, this this harmony that's created, you know, it gives us this, um, it, it actually tells us a lot about it from the word itself, the, the root shalom, the sheen, the lamed, and the mem. With the sheen, we've got this picture of fire, which, you know, represents this vertical relationship, the spiritual the, the mem at the end, we've got this, this womb-like representation sure. here, representative of our material, you know, the way things are brought into the world. And this really cool shepherd's crook-looking letter, the, the Lamed, which, teaches a, which, which is about learning and understanding, teaches that you, you can't even, don't even bother trying to separate these two. So you've got this perfect harmony of of God and man, and Yeshua is the one that creates that. Amen. And good. So makes the peace. Yes. He's the one who makes the peace. And that's what we say, that good shepherd, that's what we say on Yom HaKippurim. Uh, well, I was just going to say... Too slow. Colby. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Um, when you were talking about there's going to be some magic and all the Christians are going to wake up and be like, oh, we sacrifice stuff. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. Aslan. Broken <laughs> table. Right. That's right. I thought it was an interesting... What, what actually made me think of was when Yeshua died and was resurrected, there were those who believed instantly without seeing him yes. that he had been resurrected. But there were some like his brother, Thomas, I think, who didn't believe he actually saw him. Yeah. And, you, and when he met Thomas yes. and shows the kingdom exactly. now, you bet. be like, you know, blessed are those who have not seen. And Amen. And quite frankly, that, that parallels back to what the sages said. What the patriarchs went through, the people are going to go through later. And what our patriarchs went through, we're going to do the same deal. Same deal. Good. Good, good uh, parallel. Good comment. Yes, sir. I got you. When I was thinking, when I was hearing you say about we wouldn't be able to make sacrifices because we're not Jewish. In, in a Jewish-run community, yes, yeah. that's correct. So I was thinking the temples, they've got a lot of people there, right? Yes, so I think you could sneak in. in. Yeah. <laughs> what I was thinking was Titus. Yeah. Now, I don't know if Titus was after destruction or before destruction, but Titus, who didn't get circumcised. Definitely before the destruction. Okay, so Titus didn't get circumcised. Yes. So Titus looks like a Jew, acts right. like a Jew, right. looks like a Jew, yes. looks like a Jew. And would never get past that wall that says, if you come past here and you're not circumcised, we'll kill you. Well, I mean, I can see you had snuck in. That's right. And the riot started because he brought Gentiles into the temple, or Greeks into the they temple. Thought they, they thought he did. They thought he did, right. What I was guess, it? yeah, I guess that's what I was wondering, like, how would anybody know if a black hat guy walked in? I asked an Orthodox rabbi that once. So I keep the Torah, I can fake the Hebrew, who's going to know? And he said, I know. <laughs> so I said, don't ask, don't tell? And he goes, I always ask. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I know of only one time he hasn't asked. But we can't put that on the tape. Yes, sir. Yet. <laughs> Go to the back of the line. Go to the back of the line. Um, so when the temple's rebuilt and we're standing in the line, you say Christians won't have it. The idea that we're making sacrifices there, is that the same... It's the same purpose as the sacrifices we're reading about today. That is to is to get closer and dwell with God. Absolutely. Okay. If it, so, if it were not, you would be trampling on the blood of Messiah. Okay. So based on that, it's tell me if I'm on the right, or if I'm on the right uh, uh, path here. That in the church today, or at least the church that I came from, yes. said. The veil has been torn, right. and we can now boldly go into the presence of God. Exactly. So, 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 my point is, is I don't know if the Christians will be looking for lines and stuff. I think they're going to be running boldly because they've been told that they can now run boldly. And the and the Israeli army guys with the Uzis will take them out. <laughs> By what we've been taught, that's exactly right. So, so how? Let's let's look at let's look at two responses. Okay, the first thing I would want us to have a response for is the veil was rent. So, what's the first question? Which veil? Which Which veil? veil? Okay, good. So that in and of itself. Two words. Stop some Bam. Now we're done. You get the weird look on their face. You get a little weak in the knees. And you can start to talk. Okay? So, it gives you a... Now, how do you understand the veil's been rent, and we can now boldly approach the throne of grace? How do you understand that now that you know the truth? I can't boldly go in. You can't boldly go in? It says you can boldly approach. Why does it mean? How do you understand it? I know you know the answer. Just relax, guys. He's leaving. I've only got a couple more minutes. What, what were these sacrifices in the temple for? Yeah, to get the to physically draw, draw near to his physical presence. What was Yeshua's for? I'm sorry. What, what was, was Yeshua's sacrifice for? For our I, I beg, for I our eternal part. salvation. For our eternal salvation. For a permanent relationship with the Holy One, mm-hmm. Baruch Hu. Right. Mm-hmm. So, if the veil's been rent and we can now boldly approach the throne of grace, what does it mean? Is it physical? Well, that's what they're claiming. It's, it's. I'm asking oh, you. Oh, yeah, it's, it's no. It's I'm, not uh, physical. It's spiritual. Can you boldly approach the throne of grace? No. Do you have a high priest? Why not? Don't you have a high priest who who is constantly interceding for you? It's not physical. Everything Yeshua did was not physical. It was spiritual. If it was physical, then we're mixing up the sacrifices again. Right. By the way. The rail, the veil was rent, and therefore not, that's not a quote. Mm-hmm. Right. The veil was rent. Different book. <laughs> we can now approach boldly. And when they shove them together like that, right? Okay. Right. I, I would. I guess I would um, maybe describe it a little bit differently. The sacrifices 
here on this planet under the Levitical system were specifically to allow the worshiper to draw physically near in this in, to this physical temple here. Messiah's work allows the worshiper to draw near, or we would say to have a place in, in, in an opportunity to enter into that temple. They're both for access to the temple, but they're different temples. And there's no evidence that we will ever, ever be in that other temple, ever. To have a place in the world to come, what do we see? The new Jerusalem comes down. New heavens, new earth. There's no evidence that we will ever be able to approach him in that temple. The priest is the only one that can go in. If it's anything like this one, which it seems to be, that's why we have so much about this one, the, the Xerox copy, who can go inside there? Not me. Definitely not you. <laughs> right? But in the, the other reason why the sacrifices are required to happen over and over here is because in this physical world, we still have corruption. But at some point, in order to enter that realm, right, or the, that realm comes to us, as it were, right. you know, you understand, we will put on incorruption, is what is So there's no need for continual sacrifice at that point, because there is no more Tomei, there is no more sin. So it's Two different, it's totally two different rooms. Yeah. All right. I had a couple of uh, helpers. Well, I mean, I think, I think about the, um, first off, in relation to the, we're going to you know, run right on in. Um, my first thing that comes to my mind is, did you not see the movie? But, um, <laughs> well, you, you obviously didn't read the book. Did you see it? You didn't see the movie either? Holy but, um, but the, the thing is, that the sad thing is, um, granted, I know it's in, our half of the Bible, but there are multiple incidences of people that try to do exactly that. Even even with good intentions. With great intentions. Oh, it's going to fall. And, and actually, important people. This is not, you know, just the average dirt-covered guy who runs on in and says, I want to be close to God. This is, we've got the, the sons of the high priest try to do it a little differently. That didn't end too well. We've got the king tries to come into the temple to do his little incense thing. That didn't end very well. Um, so the, I'm hoping there will be lots of really big burly guys that can tackle these people before well, what, they get too close because it will end very poorly. I mean, what's, what was the, the role of the Levites? They were warriors. They were warriors. They're guarding the holiness and sanctity of the place. Did you want to talk about the holiness of the sanctity no, no, no. of the place? Yes. No. Yeah, yeah. Drawing the sword and miming the action. There it is. There it is. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I wondered... Um, you mentioned about, like, you don't think there, there is any instance or any reason that we would have to be servants in the temple, to go into the temple, to... Because you said they're priests in this earthly realm, so there would be priests there, too. Perhaps you can understand that. I guess I was just thinking so about... So I'm trying to figure out, are you trying to say that we're going to have something to do with the temple that's up there, with the other realm? I have no biblical evidence of that whatsoever. I have a physical temple that's rebuilt with Ezekiel. I have Levites going in, priests doing their deal. I don't have any indication that they need somebody else to help. I well, realize you want to help. A very helpful person, but I, I just don't think it's your role. Well, I just was <laughs> Peter quotes the Torah where God says you're going to be a kingdom of priests yes. and a holy nation. Yes. 
So king and priest, I'm just wondering, would that be metaphor? What does it mean? There were a, what's the priest supposed to do? Uh, intercede. Intercede. Right? So if we're going to be a, a kingdom of priests, then we should be interceding and bringing people to God. And bringing God to people. And bringing God to people. We're supposed to be part of the conduit, not the reservoir, but the conduit to tell people about God. And then ultimately, in the world to come, when God brings down the New Jerusalem, it specifically says there is no temple because God will dwell with his people. And hence... He's the light. No streetlights. Effectively, his people will all be like at a priest-like level. Because... We will You're all right in interact with there God directly. It. It's physical. That it's, it's prophesied in Isaiah 66 that he'll take some from the nations to make as Levites. It says as priests, mm-hmm. as Levites. Mm-hmm. So he'll actually be drawing those from the nations, but like you said, there's no temple. Right, so so what is it? Where, yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. Just want to add something. Uh, not funny. So sorry about that. As part of being the conduit, I have a bunch of Bibles, both New Testaments and the full version. A lot of them. So, you know, if someone needs like one or two or whatever, in sharing this and being part of that conduit, I'd be honored to uh, help with that. There you go. So just come to me if you need, you know, one, two, three, five, whatever. Yeah. Are you doing rabbit ears to me? Are you counting? What are you doing? Rabbit ears, okay. And this, this is okay. This is good to know. Final comments before we close. Next week. Hebrew class. Following week, send off. Following week, Next week, Hebrew class, Purim. Following week, send off. Following week, nothing. And then we are so close to Pesach, something's happening, yes? And then, and then Hebrew week. class again, and then nothing. No, no. No, no. Hebrew class again, then here again. Right, here we go. Okay. I'm glad everybody's got that. Yes, sir. I'm so sorry to throw a wrench into this thing. You're not going to be here. But I'm not going to be here on the 22nd. Oh. Is your wife going to be here? Because she's really the only one we can. And have a party. There it is. All right, so we're going to work with you on that, and we'll see. We may have two parties. <laughs> one for the better looking half, and then one for you if you can show up sometime. <laughs> <laughs> the fair won't mind being better. I don't know. Well, the first, and the second, the first should be that. Oh, hey. Okay. Any other comments? Yes. Does everyone have the Bartos address for the Hebrew class? It is in the meetup. Okay, and if, if we need a book, I guess you have a book. I do. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> Just come to me after this and talk. If you don't have a book, if you missed the first class, if you didn't sign up, if whatever, go see Wayne. You'll get one. You'll be booked. <laughs> Alex, can you? Thank you. Can you stand and close us in prayer, my friend? I'm glad you're here. Sean, well, thank you for this opportunity for me to come and meet all these people. And uh, thank you for all the, all the wisdom and all the uh, righteousness that's, here, that's in this room. Lord, I, I thank you for this message. Uh, I pray for the Shabbos for everybody. And uh, we know you'll join the rest of the week. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Don't forget to pray for Yirmiyahu on the second day of the week. Check for like it's Good job.